Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage, a podcast that explores the ins and outs of higher education marketing and touches on all aspects of the business of higher education. My name is Heather Dotchell. You have most recently encountered me leading the marketing and communications teams at two Philadelphia area colleges. Welcome to Higher Voltage. Today we're talking about the modern landscape of digital student ambassadors. Colleges and universities have been using student ambassadors as part of their recruitment efforts forever. But partnering with them virtually is a much newer playing field, and the rise of social media influencers changes that game, creating new opportunities and pitfalls. Whether we are evolving the traditional student ambassador role to a digital one, complete with testimonials and takeovers, or are wading into hiring known social media influencers to promote our institutions, no program looks exactly the same, nor does it stay the same over time. Our guests today have worked with their college students in official capacity, both the influencers and ambassadors, and are here to share their experience, expertise, and advice. Carly McCarthy Hollowell is a social media communications and marketing specialist with expertise in content strategy, execution, and influencer strategy in higher education, working to increase communications and engage with target audiences. She currently serves as a social media manager at the University of Central Florida, where she leads the institution's social media strategy, manages the university's main social channels, and the university's social media ambassador program. Madeline Roberts-Pyle joins us from Batesville, Arkansas, where she is the Director of Communications at her alma mater, Lyon College. She is a public relations professional with a passion for developing effective communication strategies. She believes social media is invaluable in connecting with key audiences like students. Carly, can you give us some more depth about your path to and role of social media manager? Sure. So I graduated from UCF with my bachelor's degree in event management and a minor in marketing back in 2014. And I recently just graduated with my master's degree from UCF uh, in interdisciplinary studies with a focus in corporate communication and digital media. After graduating, I went to work at a local radio station where I had many roles, many hats, um, where I got to kind of explore social media, uh, photography, graphic design, and kind of just engage my, more of my skills in those areas. And when an opportunity came at UCF to be a social media coordinator, uh, I jumped on that immediately and went to go work at my alma mater. Uh, since then, I have been promoted to social media manager in 2018 and have been growing the UCF brand channels ever since and expanding our reach through our social media ambassadors uh, also since 2018. Great. Madeline, tell us more about Lion College and how you came to head their communications outfit. Sure, Heather. Thank you for having me here today. Um, Lion College is a small liberal arts college in rural Arkansas. Um, I'm from Arkansas originally, and I chose Lion because it offered a tight-knit community while also being far enough away from my home and my parents. <laughs> um, I graduated in 2015 with a degree in English with a journalism concentration, and I went on to complete my master's in applied communication studies in 2018. Um, I was a social media specialist for Timex, the watch company, for about two years. And after completing my master's, um, I had the opportunity to return to Lyon as the associate director of communications, and I took it. In that time, I developed the Lyon College Influencers Program, 
and worked on the college's social media content strategy. Um, back in March, I was promoted to the director of communications, and it has been baptism by fire ever since because it happened right as the pandemic started. Um, I still oversee the influencers program and content strategy, but I also focus on external and internal communications, which actually goes hand in hand with content strategy quite well. Let's start by defining the difference between a student ambassador and contracting with an influencer. At UCF, we use more of the student ambassador role, which tends to lean more towards students that are passionate about uh, the university, they're passionate about sharing their experiences. They're already comfortable or semi-comfortable in front of the camera and are willing to work with the university. And more contracting with an influencer is, you know, putting pen to paper and paying them, which we don't do with our student ambassador program. We started our program out a little bit more where we were looking for students that already had that following they already had a base of like-minded individuals um, and that wasn't the right route for us and it wasn't sustainable for us. So we went to more of the student ambassador route where uh, we could kind of curate a little bit about what they're saying on their channels about the university, but also have them kind of in our back pockets to be able to help elevate university messages through university channels and through student voices. So Carly, that's a that's a good difference between the two. Can you talk a little bit more though with your program where it started with the influencers? So at UCF, we started our student ambassador program kind of leaning more into the influencer strategy and honing in on the students that have a following already. We first reached out to one of our students who we just found through YouTube. Um, she was already sharing her experiences of college move-in, um, how she got into UCF, all of these different stories. So she was already telling that story. So how can we make that work for the university and make sure that our messages are aligning from the university standard and through student channels? Um, so we first reached out to her. She was excited to work with us. We didn't contract or pay her or anything like that. She was just excited to be given an opportunity to grow in what she's doing and work within the communications and marketing division um, and for more opportunities. You know, we reached out to her more for, hey, we have this marketing video shoot. Do you want to be a face in it? Do you want an opportunity to be in front of the camera and work with professionals in this field as this is something that she wants to do? And that was good enough for her. And it was kind of like a nice mutual uh, relationship where you're going to share this on your social, your social media channels anyways. Let's work with the university and make sure that um, it's benefiting both of us and being able to kind of tag into that. So that's kind of where we started it again, um, finding more ambassadors or influencers by seeing where people, um, what people are saying on YouTube about us if they are already kind of creating that content, then we know they have an interest in um, this, what we're trying to create at the university. So even like going to on Instagram on geotag locations and stuff. And a lot of it was just us sliding into their DMs and being like, hey, we love what you're doing. Let's work together. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. And it wasn't until recently that um, 
we actually did our first call on social media for ambassadors. And now our ambassadors have are more engaged and more involved than ever. And we're getting, you know, weekly questions about how can I be an ambassador? I want to be involved. Um, and I think especially just during the pandemic, they're even more, you know, just looking for a way to get involved in that student interaction with the university. Right. Madeline, how does your program look? Is it similar to Carly's or do you have uh, some key differences? It is similar to Carly's. Um, we started looking into this program last year um, and we are in rural Arkansas, so we don't really have access to uh, famous influencers, really. So for us from the get go, it was finding students who had prospective student audiences. So like friends from their high schools, it wasn't really a requirement that they had to have a certain number of followers. We focused more on the quality of those followers. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, do they have a lot of high school students following them basically? And anyway, so we actually started ours as an application process. We put it out on social media um, they had to fill out an application. Uh, the final candidates went through an interview process and we ended up selecting five influencers. And the main goals were us promoting their content and them promoting us. And what we were trying to do is by promoting them on our social media channels and using their content that we could have prospective students want to check out the influencers because Looking at some of the research, especially for Gen Z, they do not want to look at marketing materials. They want to hear from their peers about what the college experience is like. So we promoted our influencers as a way for people interested in Lyon College to check out the Lyon experience firsthand. The first year we did it, which was last year, was we made it more like a competition and we had the influencers submit engagement reports um, we use Google Analytics to give them each a specific link um, and, you know, that, that, that they would put in their bio, and we would use that to measure how often people were checking them out, stuff like that. Um, however, we've moved away from the um, however we've moved away from the competition aspect because um, that now means that we have more resources just to focus on. Um, spoiling all of the influencers because the perks for them is that we promote them. They get to call themselves the official line college influencers. And similar to um, what Carly was describing, they have access to events. They get to be in photo shoots and that's beneficial for us um, because sometimes it's hard to find students that are interested in participating in those things. So yeah, they, you know, they love social media and this is just a chance for them to develop their own brand even more so and increase their following while getting to talk about what they love and all of them love their experience at Lion. Do your students, Madeline, get paid at all? No, they do not. The, the incentives for them are what we call the perks, which include, well, when we weren't in a pandemic, one of the perks was they had a shopping spree in the Scott shop the Scott is our mascot. So um, basically our college's bookstore, they got to have a shopping spree there. Um, we gave them, you know, access to certain events before other students. We requested their feedback when we were looking at some of our rebranding options. So it, for them, it's really 
getting lion swag and having opportunities that maybe other students don't get to have just yet. Carly, is there a um, benefit for your students to become part of your ambassadorial staff? <laughs> yeah, so similar to Madeline, we don't pay them, but there are perks such as being in photo shoots, video shoots, they're kind of my my colleagues joke that I am like the key to the student body um, and getting students on these marketing campaigns and uh, just different uses that are, are areas that we need students in. Um, and so they're kind of, they get first pick if they want to be involved in different marketing photo shoots. And we of course give them some swag uh, when we can. And then we just have a little bit more uh, flexibility in getting them access, you know, pre-pandemic into different events, concerts, those type of things, and getting special access, whether it's like a photo pit pass uh, where they get to show, show that type of experience. Um, and then also just, of course, like Madeline said as well, marketing them on our social media platforms as the official ambassadors of the university. They put it in their bio. And helps them grow their platforms because again one of the reasons that they were chosen for this and that they applied for it in the first place is that they want to grow their channels as well um, and so the more that we can do that and you know again that mutual uh, relationship where we post them they post us and um, direct our prospective students or our current students into what that's like what it's like to be a, a UCF Knight um, from the student perspective themselves and not through what the brand wants them to, to know um, has been really beneficial for us and for them. Let's take a quick break to say that today's Higher Voltage podcast is brought to you by eCity Interactive. For more than 20 years, eCity has been creating marketing strategies, websites, and digital experiences for higher ed institutions, large and small. Inspired by challenge and proven by results, eCity can help you solve the greatest challenges facing your institution today. You both mentioned, um, you know, the students being able to promote their own brand. Are they seeing significant uh, increases in their following uh, after becoming college ambassadors? After we promoted our students' content, the first time we we asked the influencers if they had noticed a difference in their following and they had said that they had received a couple of new followers people that they didn't know that seemed to be high school students yeah same with us we'll do we're doing like weekly takeovers right now and then we do like another weekly series with them so we give them multiple multiple opportunities to engage each week so it's up to them kind of if they want to grow their audiences then they should do these things to to get there. So we had a takeover last week and one of our ambassadors, he did the takeover. I went to that analytics and I was like, wow, you got 780 sticker taps this week. Did you get any new followers? And he's like, yeah, I got like over 90. And like, that was, you know, within like the first four or five hours. That's like, that's so awesome. I was like, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on your takeover um, and your experience. Like, I was just curious to see how that translated if you caught anyone's eye, they liked your aesthetic, they liked your experience, they saw themselves in you, um, whether it's, you know, you're living on campus, you're living off campus, you are from the same area, you look like me, you 
kind of fit that mold where I can see myself going here. Um, and so, yeah, he, he gained um, quite a few followers after, after that week. I'm sure he was quite pleased with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your program's tactics. What do the students do? You just mentioned takeovers. So what are the other tasks that they performed? And then how has that evolved in the pandemic? We've made a couple references, you know, pre-pandemic we did this, but, you know, this, it is no longer like that anymore. So what kind of evolution has your program had? Like what were the pre-pandemic tasks versus the post-pandemic tasks that your students were responsible for? Well, pre-pandemic, our influencers were required to post a minimum of two posts per month and, of course, do lots of Insta stories, Twitter, TikTok, whatever whatever they really love because some of them have different channels that they prefer. And pre-pandemic, they did Instagram takeovers covering events like homecoming. We have a Scottish festival, very random. Uh lots of different things like that they could do on campus and they were promoting what's happening here. Once we had to go home in March, the influencers content changed to focusing on how they were keeping community with the rest of their students. Even though we were apart, we were still together. The influencers would post Instagram stories of them having Zoom meetings with their different organizations. Um, We are a pet-friendly campus, so there were lots of fun challenges where it was, take a selfie with your pet things like that. Um, so it's kind of now that we're, we're still remote and the influencers content really just focuses on how they are still keeping community. For us at UCF pre pandemic, like this year we like, we're like, okay, we're going really hard in on the the ambassadors and really igniting them and putting more focus, um, into these, this new group. And so January, February, it was a lot of let's showcase, we had a, we have a broad group of ambassadors that represent a lot of different colleges and majors and all that kind of stuff. So we started doing more day in the life content, uh, day in the life of a double major, day in the life of a student at the downtown campus. What's that like? Um, and so we were doing more content around that. And then we would do a weekly nights on the street series, which is kind of our series where an ambassador hosts, um, a weekly, Instagram story where they ask a relevant question, whether it's, you know, what, what's your favorite class right now? Or what are you looking forward to this spring semester? Um, and then we ask that question on Instagram as well and engage our online audience. So that is one thing that once this pandemic hit was like, okay, well, how are we going to do that? Cause we usually go around campus asking students these questions. So once the pandemic hit, we quickly kind of, took that Nights on the Street series and flipped it to just strictly remote um, with our ambassadors. So it wasn't engaging, you know, uh, students around campus, but we were using our ambassadors to answer these weekly questions and create that community online where we still asked our online audience these questions, you know, how are you doing? What distance learning tips do you have? How can we, you know, learn from each other? So we were still able to engage our online audience while also using our ambassadors to to share those messages. It allowed our audiences to get to know our ambassadors a lot better. So now there's like a real connection there. And then recently we started doing more of the takeovers. Um, 
or the weekly takeover Tuesdays where we have them do more ask me anything. Um, but if there is something specific that they want to hone in on, they're more than welcome to. We had a, we have a freshman. So she kind of did like the first week of classes. What's it like to be a freshman on campus? Um, we had a theater student do on this week. So it's just been a lot of uh, different ways that we've had to evolve and adapt using our ambassadors, but um, they were also really useful. We did, we still did day in the life type of stuff, day in the life of distance learning. Um, what's that like? Day in the life of like, or how to stay healthy and active and utilizing those student virtual resources that were still available during the pandemic. But now that we are back to like more of a hybrid kind of campus, having some classes online and then having some classes on campus, we have some of our student body back. So we've kind of shifted that nights on the streets. We like what we were doing. Um, so we're still allowing the opportunity for our ambassadors to answer those questions online and also going on campus to, you know, really show that the two meet and this is kind of our reality right now. And we're not forgetting about the people online and we're not forgetting about the people on campus. So it's evolved and changed a lot, but it was really great to have them around the summer, the ones that were local and able to participate in those video and photo shoots where it's like, okay, well, everyone's gonna have to wear a face covering on campus when we do return to campus. We need to show what that's gonna look like. So they were kind of like our people to go to, to show showcase students doing that and expectations and all that as well. Which channels and which types of student communications, whether it's testimonials, chats, takeovers, what have you, what are your data and feedback showing work best? For us, it's Instagram. It's the easiest to measure and it's the one that the students use the most. Data-wise, we had a survey of our past three years of prospective students and asked them how they had found out about the college. And keep in mind, this was only one year into the influencer program and 13% of the participants of that survey said that they had found out about the college through our influencer program, which seems really small, but it was super impressive that even though the program was only a year in, 13% of prospective students noted that they had seen Lyon College, heard about it through those influencers. One of our ambassadors that just joined us this summer during our first like official call on social media, she actually, I, I always ask them like, how did you hear about us? Why do you want to come to UCF in the first place? And she was like, you know, I went to like the UCF Instagram and the feed was so pretty. And then I saw people like me and I saw students that were involved and engaged and the other ambassadors were sharing their experiences. And I just saw myself fitting in here. So more on that testimonial line of these students are showcasing what it's like to be a UCF Knight and how you can see yourself here. Um, it's been really beneficial, but also it's more on Instagram and we're also a little bit more using our ambassadors um, on TikTok, very controversial uh, social media app, but we started that last, not, not even a year ago. and our ambassadors have been awesome at that. That's kind of their content world a little bit more and giving them a little bit more freedom to be a little bit more creative. And they're really the faces, the only faces you'll really see on TikTok um, 
for from the university. I mean, we have some ambassadors that have just really honed in on their personal ones where they'll still talk about UCF on TikTok and represent the university, but you know, they have 50, 60,000 followers on there now because it's been such a, it's been a platform where you can really grow quickly uh, and plugging the university while they're at it. So we've seen TikTok pay off a little bit more on things going a little bit more viral or growing a little bit more quickly. Carly, our influencers have been lifesavers for our TikTok content. We're a really small team and we also are not Generation Z. So we're not as good as the TikToks. We are not as good at the TikToks as the young people are, the college students. So we've had the same experience where we really rely on our influencers to provide the TikTok content. And that's what they want to see anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's been awesome letting them kind of run with that because I'm not good at making those videos. I don't want to, I don't want to be in those videos. Let me be very clear. Um, So having them, you know, as the face and eager to do those type of videos, it's been awesome. That's great. I know. I So I have three teenagers and all of them are constantly on TikTok. And I am sure if they had seen um, students from the, the schools that they've been looking at over the years, they would be thrilled. I was just going to say, we did this one TikTok and it was like one of our very first ones. And it was about parking, which is a nightmare at UCF usually. <laughs> Not during the pandemic. It's actually very nice. But usually people always complain about parking. And we did this parking TikTok with our ambassadors and it went viral and all of the comments were like, wait, I was going to say, I was going to tag UCF, but this actually was UCF that did this. And um, it brought a lot of people to our, to our page. It's just funny how that, that all happens. But. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's talk about a few more of those kind of fun and quirky, unexpected things. Um, Madeline, you mentioned in some of our communications earlier this week that one of your students had an artisan oatmeal account. Can you talk about that and how it played out for the college? That's one of my favorite memories from this program so far. So last year we had an influencer. His name is Michael. He's He's an influencer now, too. Um, he loves oatmeal. And so along with having his personal account, he also had an oatmeal account where he posted pictures almost every day of these beautifully crafted oatmeal bowls with like different fruit, different seasonings, different backgrounds. It was very pretty, very aesthetically pleasing. Um, and actually whenever we introduced our influencers, We made videos of each of them where they got to share a random fact or, you know, random talent. And for his video, he brought a whole thing of oatmeal and threw it up in the air. And we got a shot of it just like of him just being covered in oatmeal, like it was raining oatmeal. So whenever we introduced him, we actually called him Oat Bay because it was kind of like Salt Bay, the way he was sprinkling the oatmeal. And anyway, we ended up doing a post about his love of oatmeal on our Instagram channel. And we tagged Quaker Oats in it just for the heck of it to see what would happen. And Quaker Oats reached out to Michael and ended up sending him, I'm not kidding you, a 30-pound box of Quaker oatmeal products. The box was huge. 
Um, and so I guess like a couple of weeks later, when, whenever Michael received this package, he texted me and said, I got this huge package from Quaker Oats. And I said, oh, that's so cool. Let's do an Instagram live of you opening it and showing off all the products because there was random fun stuff inside. Well, we didn't know it was 30 pounds. So we asked this student to lug a 30 pound box of oatmeal products to our office so we could do an Insta live. I felt so bad about it. But anyway, um, apparently the hashtag oatmeal can get you a lot of engagement because we did that for the original post and whenever Michael opened the huge box and we got some more traffic to our profile that time. It's just, it's so random and so funny there. What I love about them is how creative they are and they all bring different talents to the table. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, those moments that you have no idea are going to bloom into something much bigger. All right, so this is a lot of fun. What is then your next step with this kind of program? Obviously, we're in a bit of limbo here with the whole COVID situation. But as you're, you're planning your strategy of where you want these programs to go over the next year, two, three, et cetera, um, what's your next step? And then if you aren't working with established influencers currently, do you see yourself looking to do so either again, Carly, or eventually, Madeline, in the future? Yeah, so right now during the pandemic, they have just been such a lifesaver that I don't want to lose them. And we're consistently trying to grow. I mean, we started out as just having one to let's try 10, let's try 15. Um, and now we're at the point where we're around 20, 25, um, and we're able to sustain that community and they really build off of each other. And it's just a really great group. And again, like a, just a community for these students, especially during the pandemic, that we're going to open up applications again in November. And we kind of just roll it into around graduation. We try to keep it where we have freshmen, we have sophomore, we have seniors um, to tell each different story along the line. Um, but we'll open applications back up in November to bring on students just for this spring semester. Um, and Again, just growing them into, uh, you know, working with us on photo shoots, working on with us on different videos and different social media campaigns. But also, I want to grow it a little bit more in their own social platforms. Right now, we have them posting at least like once or twice a week about the university, but kind of igniting them a little bit more to create their own content about UCF share more of their personal stories, not just us sharing their stories. Um, so more from that personal perspective where, you know, they've, they've grown in this many followers. They have, they already have a, a group of like-minded individuals from high school. So how can we hone in on that a little bit more and create content through their channels to reach those audiences? But I don't see us, jumping into hiring influencers or contracting with different influencers right now. And not to say that we wouldn't do it in the future, but I would like to be able to use this ambassador program to show a bunch of different perspectives, not like you have to have 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers to be involved with this, um, but more so being able to focus on the students that we do have and the group that we that we currently engage with to 
make it a better experience for them and make sure that they're getting something out of it at the end of the day. For us, we are a very small team. I'm sure y'all know the higher education climate right now is tough and it is especially difficult for small private liberal arts colleges. So we're running on a tight budget and we all on our team wear different hats. I think for me, it's getting more organized and trying to make the program more self-sustaining, like giving them more direction at the beginning so that they can post more content, um, have more direction on, you know, I, what we would like from them, which we want them to be creative, but, you know, doing more fun virtual events, takeover Tuesdays, stuff like that. Um, it is in its second year. So we've learned from our experiences and mistakes. And I think I just want to keep bettering it. And the more that I can show that this program gives us results, then I can secure more of a budget for it because we are, we are also on a shoestring budget, which is one of the reasons that we moved away from the competition aspect of it because the prize was, was a huge part of the budget. And we wanted to use the budget to offer more opportunities for the influencers, for all of them. So I think for us, it's just getting more organized and looking at more ways that we can use their content. So for the MarCom offices that aren't working yet with students officially, where, where do they start? What do they need to look out for? What are the pitfalls? What kind of contracts do you need to have them sign? What are those pieces that you need to think of as you're building this program? Well, for us, the first step was doing some research and then creating a proposal that we shared with Cabinet. One of the articles that I looked into was from the Chronicle of Higher Education talking about influencers and having the research to back up the proposal helped us get budget to start it in the first place. So make sure that you have sources showing that it works. You know, you, you can say that uh, my friends Carly and Madeline said it works. I don't know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But um, then, of course, we have all the influencers sign um, a stipulations agreement. Make sure that is thorough. We fortunately haven't really had any problems with our influencers posting inappropriate content. But I think one of the reasons we haven't run into that is that they had these stipulations to begin with. One thing that I'm running into this year, especially since we're in a pandemic and our students are still doing remote learning, um, watch out for burnout. Um, some of the influencers from last year that came into this year, I can tell that they're kind of struggling. And I think it's just good to show empathy and compassion and try to give them support if you can. Because um, that's another benefit of this. We are a small community. We are tight-knit. And one of the things I remind the influencers is that just like they rely on other faculty and staff, our department is here for them, too. We love them. We want to take care of them. And so I think it's being aware that burnout can happen, but also to be patient because we're in a pandemic. It's hard. I, I echo everything Madeline said. Um, at UCF, we have an, an agreement that the ambassadors are expected to sign and they should stick to it throughout their, their time with us. But we don't really have like a cutoff for, it's not like it, your ambassadorship ends at the end of the semester. It's kind of something ongoing. Um, we haven't really had any students drop out. Uh, they usually just continue on until they graduate. And we do offer them like a letter of recommendation 
or anything like that. Something that kind of sets them off and makes them feel like they their time here was uh, well spent. But to what Madeline said about burnout, especially right now, we've been trying to be really cognizant of it. And, you know, with the pandemic and then also the racial injustices that are going on, we have a lot of ambassadors that are personally affected by that, um, as they should be. And we've grown this community so much, I think, during this pandemic. I think that's one of the good things that has come out of it, that we've grown a lot closer with our ambassadors. Um, we've always had a group me kind of just like going back and forth. And we're always trying to make sure like we're not asking. It's not just ask after ask after ask. It's more of community and they're engaging with each other. And then every so often it's like, hey, we have this opportunity. Hey, does anyone want to do this? Um, but not kind of putting that pressure on them to make sure that they're doing something. And then something else that we did this summer was just have like a Zoom meeting with them. Not like very informal, like if you can make it, make it. Uh, but kind of just that lack of connection and in-person um, involvement, which we try to do at least once a semester is like host a lunch for them offer them different workshops that they want to um, learn about. We hosted like an Instagram workshop or a TikTok workshop or how do analytics work, um, just kind of different interests they have. So with this uh, Zoom meeting that we had with them, it was just kind of like a raw, real conversation. Like, how are you doing? What do you want out of this? Um, this doesn't seem fair. How are you dealing with it? What can we be doing better? Um, I often use them as like a little focus group. And I'm like, hey, the university is about to say this or this announcement just came out. How do you feel? Like, don't, like no judgment, nothing. Just let me know. So then I can report back to leadership and say, hey, this isn't being received well by our students. Or maybe next time we should consider talking to them before and not after. Um, <laughs> maybe we should put the wants and needs of our students um, at the forefront of what we're doing and just making sure that we're very cognizant of moving forward, um, how we need to communicate these things to make sure it reaches the right audience and the right tone. And uh, what we're doing is, is meaningful work. Do you think the significance of uh, celebrity influencer presence makes it easier to recruit for your programs because your your students are so very aware of the power of of being a face on social media? For sure, I was just gonna say I, I think that it's so attainable, or it seems so attainable from TikTok and Instagram that it's possible and this could be kind of a launch pad for them. You know, college is supposed to be a place where you learn. I think they're taking it as a learning experience to after college or, you know, during their college career, trying to make those connections and start being an influencer or, or learning more about social media because they want a job in social media afterwards. So not just becoming an influencer, but also on the backside of things and learning from either myself or my team on how to do that effectively. Carly said it way better than I would have. I think being an influencer is cool, especially to the our students who are part of Generation Z. And that's why we call it the Lion Influencers Program because from what I've seen in my millennial ways, from what I've seen, being an influencer, it can it can be a career. And kind of what Carly said, it's it's a launch pad for something else for what they do after college. 
What other colleges and universities are doing an admirable job with these relationships? Do you have any shout outs you want to give to other institutions that you look to for modeling also? I have looked at the University of Delaware a lot. They have an influencer program, and I think I got to talk to one of their communications professionals, and they were a huge help. They have a good program. Personally, for me, I've learned a lot from University of Georgia. They have their digital dogs program. Uh, They do it a little bit different for me, so I could kind of learn what they did and what we were already doing. And I was like, well, should we switch it up? Should we do something uh, a little bit different? So they actually have their ambassadors have their own like branded Instagram channels. So it would be like UGA Carly or something like that. Whereas at our university, we do it just on their personal platforms to keep that perspective audience. So there's pros and cons to each, I think. And I've gone back and forth battling with myself on which is the right one is like, should we switch? Should we not? Because I, I like the idea of it being branded, but at the same time, I want it to reach those native audiences and those perspective audiences that they already have. So uh, that's why we ended up sticking with our personal ones. But then that comes a lot more with making sure that what they are posting on their personal ones, we're not being overbearing, but we do have these expectations of them on their personal accounts. So it can get a little sticky, but for the most part, as long as they sign that agreement, which is very important, it it, it all works out. We like to talk about issues and and trends in higher ed. you know, our tagline for marketing and comm professionals by marketing and comm professionals. Are there any other resources or recommendations that that you want to give as we wrap up the conversation? Um, It's always very important to me that that we're not just talking about things in theory, um, but we have people, uh, have our listeners have takeaways. Um, And we've covered quite a bit of it, but is there anything we haven't that you'd you'd like to mention? I will take this one first. one resource and I'll shut them out all day, every day. And it's been such a good thing to have during this pandemic. It was an investment piece um, for our department, but Cinebody, it's user-directed content. And we are easily able to just kind of write out the shots that we want for different videos. So all of our day in the life videos, we're like, okay, do an intro that kind of sounds like this show us what you're eating, take us to your classes. Uh, what are you doing for your mental health today? What are you doing for physical health today? Here's an outro that we want and kind of outlining a video for our students to create. So that's how we have conducted a lot of our videos this summer um, and just throughout the pandemic. And it allows them a little bit more creative freedom as well and gives them that experience of ideation and project management and kind of what that looks like while also being able to conduct them from afar. So Cinebody has been a great tool for us, uh, not only for ambassadors, but we've used it for leadership projects. We've used it for a lot of online learning, gathering testimonials or just virtual commencement, um, kind of getting those videos from our students and staff and faculty even. For my recommendation, what has really helped me is being a member of PRSA um, and really just working with other people in your field and getting their feedback on it. 
my college is in, is in rural Arkansas. I don't really have access to marketing and public relations professionals down the road. So utilizing those networks, whatever it may be for you and getting their feedback on it is super helpful. Okay. So as we wrap up, we always like to ask our guests a fun question that may or may not be related to the topic we're discussing. Today's question, who is your favorite social media presence outside of higher ed? For me, it's cats of Instagram. I am a cat lady and I love looking at pictures and videos of cats. It gives me a lot of joy. For me, I am a, an aspiring DIYer. Um, by aspiring, I mean I like to look at what everyone's doing and then not actually do them. Um, so Angela <laughs> Rose Holm. It's a sick cycle. Um, I did do one project from her this year, but aside from that, you know, but I just, I enjoy watching and learning from someone who became, you know, an influencer herself by creating different projects and stuff. So Angela Rose Home is where I usually kind of de-stress on my own social media time, uh, which is very, very limited. All right. Excellent. So as we draw to a close, where can we find you online? Carly? Um, aside from all the UCF channels, I don't typically do all that much on my own personal stuff, but you can find me at C-R-L-Y McCarthy um, on Twitter. So you can tag me there and I will see it once I log off of UCF, which is not often. You can find me on Twitter at Madeline R. Pyle. And Madeline is spelled like Madeline and Pyle is P-Y-L-E. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap. We're grateful to both of our guests for taking their time to join us today. And we're looking forward to more great conversations with higher ed thought leaders in the weeks and months to come. If you'd like to explore our topic further, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at hdodgeon.